Hello, Hawks fans, and welcome to another episode of the KettleCast with your host, Forrest Willoughby. On this episode of the cast, we'll be talking about the Hawks' 86-100 to loss to the Detroit Pistons. On the second night of a back-to-back, the Hawks just did not have enough gas in the tank to get a win in Detroit in what was their worst offensive performance of the season. Without further ado, let's get into it. Some nights you just don't have it, and the Hawks did not have it against the Pistons. They were down Lou Williams, who was a late scratch in this game, and they did not get Trey Young back. DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish, and Tony Snell were also all out. Chris Dunn did was able to play, was elevated to probable early in the day, and then was ultimately able to play. And we got our first look at Chris Dunn. He was as advertised, very good defensively and a work in progress on the offensive side of the ball, but it was certainly good to see the Hawks get a member of their team back. This was just a tough night the entire game for the Hawks. They didn't shoot the ball well. They were 33 of 85 from the field. They only hit four three-pointers. Even Bogdan Bogdanovich was way below what he had been doing lately. It just did not look like the same Hawks team. They did have Clint Capella and John Collins, and really John Collins was the one Hawk, along with Kevin Herter, who seemed to have something going. But the Hawks just, they got down early. They were down four after the first quarter. Uh, They would get down by as many as 20 points in this game, but they never really mounted a big comeback or charge to pressure the Pistons at all. There was a little bit of a run when Kevin Herter had back-to-back dunks in the second half to cut the Detroit Pistons to six, but the Pistons, to their credit, responded right away, were able to push the lead back up to double digits. And then in the fourth quarter, the Hawks kind of lost all contact um, and until Nate McMillan finally emptied the bench with a few minutes to go in this one. Again, it was the second night of a back-to-back. The Hawks had to travel, but the offense wasn't working. And as with the few losses that the Hawks have had under Nate McMillan, it did seem like that the officiating once again kind of got in the heads of the Hawks players. For the second straight game, it seemed like the first half was differently was officiated a little different than the second half. Um, the Hawks weren't getting many foul calls. Ultimately, they would shoot more free throws than Detroit, which seems impossible. They were 16 of 17 from the free throw line. But the Hawks, for whatever reason, just don't seem to get the, the calls early in the game, and then it really affects their play, and they're kind of looking to the refs as the game goes on, and Nate McMillan has talked about this a few times, that they just can't worry about the refs. They do need to not settle. They need to go and be aggressive, but um, they can't really control what the refs are going to do, and they need to just go out and play their game and not get caught up in what the refs are doing. Detroit had a pretty strong performance. They were 40 of 84 from the field, 48%. 9 of 26 from three-point land. Neither team shot the ball particularly well from the three-point line. And this game was not, you know, as much as the shift from playing the Heat to the Bucks was a much slower game and one where the Hawks had shot the ball so well against the Heat and it kind of went down until that fourth quarter against the Bucks. This was not a pretty game to watch, uh, especially early on in the first half. Neither team really had anything going and was not scoring at a high clip. Um but Detroit was being more aggressive and getting to the basket. They got a really strong performance from Frank Jackson, came off the bench, was 7 of 12, 3 of 5 on his three-pointers. He ultimately had 18 points off the bench. 
again, the three-pointers were a huge thing. The Hawks couldn't only hit four, um, shot 15% from that three-point line, and that's just not going to get it done. The Hawks had 19 assists compared to 16 turnovers. Um, that's just not any sort of ratio that's going to work in the NBA. And uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich had five turnovers, um, and it was just not a, a strong, cohesive experience on the offensive side of the ball for the Hawks at all. Like I said, really the only Hawks that had things going were Kevin Herter and John Collins. Herter was 6 of 10 from the field, 1 of 3 from three-point land. He had 15 points, a rebound, and two assists. And unfortunately, just as we got Chris Dunn back, Kevin Herter was injured in the fourth quarter. Um, It appeared something happened with his shoulder after the game, sort of like what happened with Trey Young. Nate McMillan said that he went and saw Herter in the locker room after the game, and Herter seemed to be moving around and doing better, so maybe it's not super serious, but the Hawks are calling it a a shoulder sprain, and we'll see how long that keeps Kevin Herter out. But it just feels like any time the Hawks get one player in, they have another fallout. Um, not to be outdone, uh, Brandon Goodwin also got hurt late in the game. This was not a very good Brandon Goodwin game. He started, and he was 3 of 14, didn't make any three-pointers, had six points. He did have seven assists, but it just wasn't wasn't a great Brandon Goodwin experience. And then in the fourth quarter, he had an ankle sprain and went down kind of eerily similar to how Trey Young went down. Um, but, of course, you know, the Hawks can't help themselves. They have two players injured on the second night of a back-to-back. But Herter's strong game. John Collins was 6 of 8 from the field, missed his only three-pointer, had 14 points. Got eight rebounds, two of them offensive, had a steal and a block. And this was a game I would have liked to see the Hawks maybe feature John Collins a little bit more. Uh, the Pistons have a pretty big front line between going from uh, Plumley to their rookie um, Isaiah Stewart. And John Collins just was playing pretty effective basketball. And their rookie center, Isaiah Stewart. And I thought both... Uh, Akangwu and John Collins were having a little bit of success down low playing against the rookie who is very prone to getting into foul trouble um, on a night where Clint Capella didn't have it working. Again, the Pistons were being very physical and the officials were letting the game go that way. And I applaud the Pistons for taking advantage of that. But Clint Capella never got very comfortable. He was six of 16 from the field for 12 points. He did, of course, grab 15 boards, five of those offensive. He had two assists and one block but largely was held pretty much in check by the Pistons. And the Pistons did a good job of controlling the glass. They did a a lot of good work on really controlling what the Hawks were doing off ball. Like in the first quarter, almost right away, the Hawks got an offensive foul um, on Bogdan Bogdanovich, who was trying to move off ball, uh, shoving Frank Jackson. And, you know, Frank Jackson was battling just as much as Bogdan was, and the officials called it on Bogdan. And that's kind of how the game went. The Hawks were not able to get a lot of their off-ball actions going. Bogdan had a beautiful first hat, first quarter. He had 11 points in that first quarter, but he really faded. He would end the game with just 17 points, um, 3 of 10 on three-point line. He had seven rebounds, five assists to go with those five turnovers. But the Hawks just weren't able to get anything easy on offense. Um, and in a game where the Hawks are usually – scoring you know 120 points in a game for them to only score 86 is a huge achievement for the Pistons they were just doing a good job on defense they were securing balls they didn't let the Hawks get a lot of fast break points and the Hawks were really bothered and just nothing was happening easy 
It'd be easy to say that they were tired from that fantastic game the night before. Of course, Bogdan had pl- had to play a lot of minutes in that fourth quarter against the Bucks, and so having to play extended minutes again against the Pistons was not super helpful. But the Hawks just didn't get anything easy, and the Pistons, to their credit, every time the Hawks tried to uh, get into this game, uh, Dwayne Casey, their coach, called a timeout, and they were able to push the lead. Uh, kind of again anytime it got close six points eight points they were able to push the lead up to 15 get it to double digits and really keep the Hawks at arm's length Um, the Hawks didn't get a lot of performance off the bench you know these last couple wins the Hawks have been winning off the bench in bench scoring and they were outscored 44 to 22 in that regard the Hawks only had three players score off the bench Danilo Gallinari came in for 12 points Aneka Okongwu had six and then Nathan Knight came in and got his four points, but that was it from the Hawks bench. The, Haw- the Pistons, on the other hand, had big performances from Frank Jackson, as I said earlier, and then Hamadou Diallo, who the Hawks saw earlier this season on the Thunder, had a, had a big game. He had 14 points, 6 of 11 shooting, 1 of 2 on his three-pointers, and he is a big—the Pistons are sort of playing him at point guard. Um, very fast, was able to get to the basket, get a couple dunks. He made one three. But the Hawks just never had anything going. And uh, it was just a game where as it wore on and it wore on, I was like, oh, the, the Hawks have plenty of time. They're going to be able to get back into this game. Just need some hot shooting from Kevin Herter, maybe Bogdan Mcdonovich to get hot. And the three-pointers just didn't fall. And um, it was just a game where at about halfway through the third quarter, it just did not seem like the Hawks were going to be able to get back into this game. Of course, one big... Uh, mainstay from Nate McMillan being moved to coaches. The Hawks have not allowed a single loss to put them into any sort of tailspin, but this is going to be really challenging this week because the Hawks have two games, a little two-game series against the 76ers in Philadelphia. And if that wasn't hard enough, the Hawks then have a back-to-back on the second uh, game against the 76ers where they come home to play the Bulls. So the Hawks have a tough little three-game stretch, but this was a brutal game, one where the Hawks never really got into the game. The most exciting moment was the back-to-back dunks from Kevin Herter, and you can see his confidence getting stronger each time he throws it down. But the Hawks got it within six, and then it was never close again. So um, Detroit got really strong performances from Jeremy Grant, who came over from the Nuggets this year, Corey Joseph, who came over from the Kings at the trade deadline, and Sadiq Bay their rookie, but the Hawks just would never get into this game. It was one that was kind of lost at the jump, and Trey Young and the rest of these injured Hawks cannot get back soon enough. There was an update on both Trey and DeAndre Hunter from Travis Schlenk on Atlanta Radio today, and he said that Trey and DeAndre could be back this week, but it'll be tough to see the Hawks uh, get those guys back early. I'll believe that Hunter is back when I see him. And Trey Young, I would like to get him as much rest as he needs to make sure that ankle is right. But brutal loss for the Hawks, one that happens. Um, if there was a chance for the Hawks to win one game in this back-to-back with the Bucks and the Pistons, I would be happy that they won the game against the Bucks. But um, this Pistons game certainly will leave a tough taste in the Hawks' mouth, and they just have to look ahead and get ready for Philadelphia. These next two games are really important. Um, after these two games in Philadelphia, the Hawks will only have one more game on the road in their last 10. 
and it's coming down to crunch time to, for the playoff seeding. The Hawks and Knicks are still tied with the Knicks holding the tiebreaker in that 4-5 spot. So each game is very valuable for the Hawks going forward, and hopefully they're able to take one or both of these games in Philadelphia. Go Hawks. Thank you for catching this episode of the KettleCast. You can reach me at kettlecast at gmail.com. And go Hawks. There will be a KettleCast tomorrow, my conversation with Ben Ladner. Thank you and go Hawks.